All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City on the 7th day of May, 2019. I do want to thank you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. Also, want to encourage you to subscribe to my newsletter, miningstocks.com. Miningstocks.com is the name, uh, is the website to go to to subscribe to Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. And right now, when nobody seems to be too interested in gold mining stocks, I think now is the time that you should be interested and start looking at the gold shares. They are really underpriced now as much as I've seen them in a long, long time. I'd also encourage you to consider subscribing to Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? ChenPicks.com is the place to go to sign up for Chen's letter. And, of course, Michael Oliver as well at OliverMSA.com. It's a place to go to really take advantage of Michael's expertise in the markets, and he'll be talking to us in just a moment about uh, what he's seeing in today's very exciting markets. Uh, Big down day in the equity markets, and gold is uh, catching a bit, so we'll see. Maybe there's a turn underway. Uh, I do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show, Great Bear Resources, Klondike Gold, Novo Resources, RN Resources, and Strike Point Gold. I've titled today's show, Optimizing Wealth Using a Portfolio of Precious Metals. Christopher Blase and Michael Oliver return as our guests today, and Sean Kunkun will be visiting for the first time. Sean is the President and CEO of Strike Point Gold. Chris Blasey's uh, Neptune Global provides an easy way to buy, sell, and or invest in a diverse basket of precious metals. A proprietary product offered by his company is the PMC Ounces product that has a fixed amount of gold, silver, platinum, and palladium in it. You can buy and sell it very easily on the internet, but it is allocated to you personally. It's not, it is allocated, there are allocated metals to you and your and to you alone. The metals are totally physical, and as I say, allocated, uh, and you can also take physical delivery if you so desire. PMC, the PMC ounce is quoted in real time, and uh, as I say, you can buy and sell it uh, on the internet, have it delivered, or have it set aside in an allocated account. So uh, Chris will be with me to discuss the supply and demand fundamentals for the precious metals, for all of them, I expect. Uh, and uh, we'll learn more about some of the products that his firm provides as well. As I mentioned, Sean Kuhn-Kuhn uh, will be with us for the first time, and he is the new president of a, a new and exciting exploration company in British Columbia and also uh, in the Yukon. Uh, so we'll be hearing from him after the first commercial break. But right now, Michael Oliver is with us, and uh, 
Really pleased to have Michael join us again. Thanks, Mike, for coming on. Hi, Jay. It's an interesting day. Really interesting day, and so it's, I'm especially glad that you're on this Tuesday. Um, let's talk about the equities. I mean, how can we not talk about the equity markets? As I look at the screen right now, the Dow is down 567 points. It's a, Across the board, we're seeing uh, S&P and NASDAQ down by more than 2%, so it's a pretty significant down day. Um, could it possibly be, Michael, that this 10-year bull market may be nearing an end? Yes, it's possible. Our uh, trigger numbers for the S&P and the NASDAQ 100 have, were busted uh, two days ago, a bit more yesterday, and fully today. Now, this is these are numbers that aren't what we call long-term uh, breakages. A lot of long-term breakages have already occurred, despite the recent rally. Um, uh-huh. But we're back into into downside pressure again, and we think it's probably going to sustain for a while. And the question is, can they drive it low enough for us via our metrics, which aren't price-based, but other factors, to where we can circle that recent high at 29.50 and say, okay, that was it. That was the third high in a widening pattern that goes all the way back to January 2018. Right now, I can't say that, but I suspect it. Uh, But meanwhile, we are getting intermediate downturn. There's more pain to come, I think, uh, in the next few days. Yes, it's news-related, and to some extent that confuses an issue. You know, we prefer things to happen without the news. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So it's sort of a mystery to the investor. Uh, mm-hmm. th- those are the best kind of moves. But this is, this is a big one. Uh, it was touted on the way up. Now suddenly it's not happening. So a lot of people are concerned. But our, our focus is also on the other markets, and we note that T-bonds are doing what they normally would do. In this kind of situation, they're getting the bid because they're fighting mm-hmm. safety. That that makes sense, okay? Uh, the gold market is quietly pushing higher, and we've defined some numbers to our subscribers uh, in recent weeks and adjust them weekly. Uh, they aren't far above the market. I can't get specific because you know, people pay for this. <laughs> but sure. They're not far above the market, but they're the kind of numbers that we think if gold tags them, and they, like I said, they're not far above where we are right now, that the other side of that would be a whoosh. And by whoosh, I mean, if gold gets into those numbers, uh, we think it could go up 20 to $30 on the other side of those numbers so quickly that it'd take your breath away. Mm-hmm. In other words, get well back up into the 1300s in a, in a whoosh, uh, mm-hmm. such that the people who are, one, either skeptical and not in the market, or two, they got out because they're scared and tired, or three, they're short, would be ambushed. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the kind of upturn that should occur that way if it occurs, so we do think it's likely to occur. And we're playing with the numbers right now. We're just, just below them. Um, and it also would not surprise me that if gold does that, that it doesn't do it in U.S. daylight hours. Oh. We might come in one morning and gold suddenly up ten, twenty dollars It didn't do it here. It did it elsewhere in the world first. We just mm-hmm. gap up. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, that, that's the more important thing we're focused on, actually, rather than this S&P stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we view the developed stock markets of the world, I mean, Europe, Japan, and here, as not places to be, <laughs> period. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, there are better places to own stocks, emerging markets, perhaps China, and so forth, especially on a relative basis to the U.S., meaning long those stocks, short developed market stocks as a spread. Uh, but we think gold is, is still uh, the king, and it will show itself. Now, as far as the miners go, 
Mm-hmm. They're typical. We, we describe them as a, as a puppy dog on a leash, like a <laughs> poodle, let's say. They're very <laughs> emotional. You know, you go down, gold drifts down a little bit, and they, they fall apart. Gold yeah. uptakes, they explode. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the nature of that relatively small stock sector. That's mm-hmm. the way it's behaved. It'll probably continue that way, which means as gold goes up and recovers and restates its claim to something well above 1350, for example, um, the gold miners should do far better than gold. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, that's true in, in part, Michael, because I, I say a $50 rise in the price of gold is meaningful to the operating margins of the companies, too. So, I mean, it, it, it is emotional, but it's also based on some reality. But I, but I get yeah. it. It's a very sensitive. You're right. Oh, boy, do I, I know at that. Least, at least three or four times the potency of gold on the downside mm-hmm. and upside. Right, exactly. Uh, it cuts it, both it, ways. Yeah. 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 Well, Michael, let me ask you, right before uh, getting back to the equity markets, so right before we came on the air, one analyst was suggesting that if these, uh, if this level holds here uh, down 550 right now, if we hold down this level, then he's going to be looking to sell the rallies going forward. Uh, would that be something you'd be comfortable doing if you're owning equities uh, now? I, I think this sell-off, my, um, my, our best guess is that the sell-off gets the S&P down into the lower 2800s. Mm-hmm. Right now we're still in the upper part. We're 2870, that kind of thing. I mm-hmm. think you get down below 2850, um, and I think they will fight the bulls will fight touching 2,800. So uh-huh. if the sell-off has, probably has more to go over the next week or so, but the fight, the, the balance of forces is likely to occur above 2,800, and that's when it could get a little confusing. A rally from right here doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who's looking for the rally, I think he needs to ratchet it down about two two or three more percent before he, he puts his bid in. So, mm-hmm. Michael, how is the dollar behaving today? The dollar's firm. Uh, you know, it's yawning. Again, I, I keep pointing back to last August. The dollar index, cash index, got up to uh, 96.99. So let's call it 97. Mm-hmm. Well, we're trading, you know, a half a point or so above there now, and it's, what, 10 months later? Mm-hmm. So everybody, everybody's talking about the strong dollar. I, I see a yeah. flat dollar. It, it'll oscillate either side of that 97 for the last 10 months. Uh, by a point or two either side, and I don't call that a trend. I call that a yawn. Um, so, well, let me ask you: with, with just a minute uh, left here, Michael, a minute or two, I guess we can spare two minutes. Uh, copper today, you put out something on copper. Um, it looks to me like copper is one of those places that's sort of uh, uncommittal. You just can't really know yep, which way you're exactly going to go on copper. Yeah, that's what we said. Um, we've called it very well, copper, over the last couple of years. So we called the buy, the buy signal in late 2016. It shot up over a dollar. Then we said, nah, in June of 2018, get out. It's probably going to drop. It dropped right about to where we said it would. And right now it's caught in confusion, technical mm-hmm. confusion, I'm saying. Um, it's behaving like the stock market to some extent. Oil behaves even more so like the stock market, and we view those two markets, the industrial-type commodities, let's call it copper, lumber, and oil, uh, as pretty much linked to the stock market. Now, I don't think that will continue. In other words, if the S&P is going into a major bear trend for the next couple of years, let's say, the bubble's going to break. I don't think it's going to drag oil and copper all the way down with it. There will be a point at which they will divorce. Why? Because they're, they're relatively cheap. Uh, and they've already been beaten up a lot. But for now, they're still behaving, uh, you know, almost week by week, somewhat like uh, the, the S&P 500. So we have no real interest in buying them. 
mm-hmm. don't ha- have any technical justification to urge people to buy Freeport McMoran or Southern Copper, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there might be, but I don't see it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, you, <laughs> Freeport on Copper yawned. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't see it in the charts, and oil uh, also just uh, kind of stay down. away from it right now. I think yeah. I, I think it's stay away from it. now. The next major low in oil, which I don't think they'll go below that low we made back le- late last year at forty-two. I think it was about mm-hmm. forty-two. I don't think we'll take that out, but we could get we could get down seriously into the fifties. I think. So I have mm-hmm. no interest in the long side there. Nor not really in the short side either. Uh, there's mm-hmm. bigger things that. Uh, pregnant things out there. I think one is the mm-hmm. S&P major top being completed, finally. Uh, and uh, I think the gold situation commands attention because I think the potential on the upside is so enormous and so speedy over the next year or two uh, mm-hmm. because the bubble's going to break. And the bubble, mm-hmm. of course, we're talking about the S&P 500 and developed markets. Sure. Why? Because they, they were printed higher over a period of about 10 years by central banks. And Mm -hmm. only now do we hear this, oh, good economic news. Yeah, Mm -hmm. well, the problem is the structure upon which that good economic news is occurring, assuming it it lasts, that that economic data points, is structure of paper mache. Right. So the issue is the price of the S&P and how Mm -hmm. it got up here, and it didn't get up here on on good grounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, It got up here on fiat reasons Mm -hmm. and... Or, undercut well, interest rates, etc. So that's right. the problem with getting good news now. It, it's right. being added on top of a paper mache structure. Uh, paper mache um, in the debt market as well, of course, and uh, yeah. the whole house of cards comes down. Uh, well, if that not, comes down, what's gold going to do? You know, we know. Yeah, well, gold, gold retains its value, and everything else loses its value. So that's that's why we buy gold. So it's not uh, not the place to be most of the time. But boy, sometimes when it's good, it's very very good. To own gold, we know that from two thousand. And uh, eight, nine in that time frame, uh, all the way up to 2011. What a bull market we had. Yeah, I'm, I think uh, the expecting next one will be bigger. <laughs> bigger, bigger, possibly yes. bigger. And uh, we're not, I'm not personally cheering for that because uh, because of all the other misery that might come along with it. But better to own the gold than not. That's my philosophy. Michael, thank you so much for being with us again. It's always you, so Jay. good to have you, and especially on days like this to help calm our nerves. Well, folks, um, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Sean Kuhn-Kuhn is going to be with us. He's the president and CEO of StrikePoint Gold. That's a new and exciting company that I started covering in my newsletter, and it's also a sponsor to this show. I think you're going to find what Sean, Sean, what Sean Kuhn-Kuhn has to say to be very interesting. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Karatha region of Western Australia, where they are currently drilling and trenching their Purdy's reward project. In addition, Nobo has partnered with Sumitomo Mining Corporation to advance its Beaton's Creek Gold Project toward production. With over $70 million in cash and strong shareholder support from the likes of Kirkland Lake Gold, Nobo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSX and GTBDF on the OTCQB, is a gold exploration company focused on their wholly owned Dixie project in the prolific Red Lake Mining District of Ontario, Canada. Recent drill results yielded an impressive 1,600 grams per ton gold over 0.7 meters near surface. 
GBR is fully funded to drill 300 plus holes this year. McEwen Mining is a significant shareholder following a $5.7 million investment as part of a recent $10 million financing. Visit greatbearresources.ca. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really ha- glad to have with me for the first time, Sean Kunkun. Sean has over 15 years of experience in the capital markets and mineral exploration and development sector. And uh, as the president and CEO of StrikePoint Gold, uh, he is involved in the company's marketing, financing, corporate development. He has developed longstanding relationships with the extensive global network of high net worth indiv- individuals and investors and individuals, analysts, brokers, investment bankers, and private equity groups. And uh, I've known Sean for the last number of years, quite a few years actually. I've learned to know him quite well, so I'm really happy to have him with me today. Uh, before we say hello to Sean, I would like to just point out that StrikePoint Gold trades in Toronto under the symbol SKP. You can buy it down here in the States under the symbol STKXF. Uh, was trading earlier today at around 12 cents Canadian. That's about nine cents in U.S. money. Very typical for these exploration companies these days. Very, very low priced. I think it, now is the time to pay a lot of attention to them uh, when nobody else wants them. That's usually the way it is. Uh, 88.6 million shares out, $8 million market cap in U.S. money. Uh, so that's uh, the website is strikepointgold.com. Just uh, jot that down, go there. And check out the story after you hear what Sean has to say. Thanks for joining me, Sean. Yeah, Jay, thanks so much uh, for having me on. Well, it's really good to have you, uh, a, a young fellow like you that's starting out with quite a bit of experience, though, I must say. Uh, and I've known you for a number of years, so I'm really glad to see you taking on this this role uh, at, uh, at StrikePoint. Um I guess uh, we should start out by just telling people, because your story is a pretty new one. Tell our listeners a little bit about StrikePoint. How did it come to being a little bit about the history? Just take a couple of minutes to do that, if you could, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jay, it's, uh, yeah, you know, our history does go back a number of years. Uh, I think back to some property tours we've done together over the last mm-hmm. 10 years and, and different opportunities. And, and this time right now, and, and here we are in, in May 2019, it reminds me of previous opportunities going back to 2005, uh, 2008, mm-hmm. 2014, where you get these moments uh, in the precious metal sector where projects or companies um, offer some, some very, very interesting value from a historical context. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's, in, it's coming off one of those lows, uh, the, the 2015 low, that um, I really repurposed StrikePoint um, you know, I've been the CEO of Strike Point going back to 2013, 
And in 2016, after the gold price got down to about a thousand, uh, the venture exchange, our, our primary listing was down at 466 points. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we had we'd gone through the, the the 2000 low, the 2008 low on the exchange, and I thought it was a good time to start a gold company. Um, my thinking was, you know, the majors that are producing gold uh, were not replenishing their inventory, and there was a void and an opportunity to secure uh, mineral inventory. My focus uh, for Strike Point has been precious metals. It's silver. It's gold uh, in Canada. And the thinking was uh, we could build an inventory through acquisition and surgical exploration and uh, to ultimately then sell the company to uh, a mid-tier or large-cap gold producer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going into some of the more detail there, uh, you know, going back to 2016, we started with a big portfolio of properties uh, in the Yukon Territory. So mm-hmm. we picked up the old Ryan Gold package, uh, a package that back in 2011 was valued, uh, you know, in the hundreds of millions of dollars in terms of market cap. And we were able to acquire it for 150000 in cash and by issuing uh, some shares. So we started with a big portfolio in the Yukon that came with a $30 million database. And because it was a, a very, very smart deal, and uh, we were able to attract some very renowned investors, uh, we've raised about $10 million in order to pursue this goal of securing mineral inventory. And um, we, we found ourselves in a position last year where the valuations continued to be depressed, and we've uh, we've acquired two very, very uh, high-grade, um, you know, one is a past-producing asset and the other is a high-grade discovery, both in the Golden Triangle in BC. Yeah, I want to get to that, and I want to ask you about your your uh, the property that I know you're spending most of your time on, the Willoughby, but before we get to that, Sean, I'd like to also ask you to talk a little bit about the corporate structure, because to me, in my way of thinking, when I look at new companies that are starting up, who owns the stock? Very important. And how much of the stock is in strong hands? We don't like to see shares held by people that don't have the ability to stay through and hang on to them through thick or thin. And uh, maybe you just talk a little bit about who, a little bit about your share structure and who owns the company. Who are the major shareholders? Yeah, you know, when I when I think about um, the listeners, uh, your subscribers, and uh, new potential investors that are looking at Strike Point, um, I think that the one thing that comes to mind for me is we have a very solid foundation in terms of our our market capital structure. Uh, if you break down the 88 million shares that are issued in Strike Point. Um, we've got two corporate shareholders. Uh, these are publicly traded companies um, that are active in the very same area that we are active. So we've got uh, Ascot Resources and, and Skeena Resources, uh, two companies that your listeners may be familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ascot and Skeena collectively own about 20% of Strike Point, and they received that interest in the company by divesting assets to Strike mm-hmm. Point. Um, and we've got uh, you know a very very renowned precious metals investor in Eric Sprott as an eight percent shareholder. 
And then, you know, very, very proud to report we've got some very, very um, recognized, astute, uh, renowned precious metals investors. And it's, it's really a, a global group. Uh, we've got a, a fund over in Switzerland uh, that is a, is a shareholder. Um, we've got uh, a fund out of San Antonio, Texas, U.S. Global. Uh, the fund in Switzerland is uh, the Gold 3000 Fund. And then we've got, we're well represented in Canada with institutions in Vancouver and uh, and Toronto. So 30% of strike point is institutions, 20% the two corporate shareholders. Um, Eric Sprott's position is almost 10%. Uh, management and consultants, 10%. So in the hands of uh, the retail public, we've got about 30% of that 88 million shares. It works out to about uh, 20 to 25 million shares. Yeah, it's very good, uh, very important, a very big plus to have that foundation there. Uh, you know, we don't have a lot of time, so I want to get on to the Willoughby property, which is really what you're planning to, I think, focus on mostly this year. You know, I was very happy to see you pick up the Porter Silver Mining Project. At, uh, it was a past mine that has a high grade, but your focus is on Willoughby. So tell us a little bit about Willoughby and, and what your plans are for it this year, Sean. Sure. So I think one thing I'd like to reference is Willoughby is located four miles east of Red Mountain. And mm-hmm. Red Mountain, um, within the last 30 days, was acquired by Ascot Resources. Um, Ascot is uh, taking the premier mine back into production and has been actively acquiring projects in this area. So they, they acquired uh, the Silvercoin property in October, and uh, now they've, uh, they've taken over IDM Mining and the, the Red Mountain project. Um, so Willoughby is set in the same type of rocks as Red Mountain. And, um, you know, like Red, the, the early uh, exploration indicates we've got a very, very rich, uh, high-grade gold and silver system. So I'll, I'll just highlight one drill hole that was drilled in the past, um, 20 meters grading 25-gram gold and 185-gram silver. Mm, so very impressive. Some, yeah, very, very impressive, and 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 not unusual for the Golden Triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, just a note here um, with the Red Mountain acquisition and the existing uh, acquisitions, uh, Silver Coin and the existing uh, Premier. Um, Ascot is in one of the you know, top percentiles for grades uh, globally. I think they're in the top 10 percentile, you know, with a, with a seven plus gram deposit. And, you know, this is what drew me to the triangle. You know, it's an area that, um, you know, is well endowed with some very, very high grade uh, uh, grades, uh, high grade gold and silver grades. And you've got, uh, you know, an increase in the infrastructure and also, um, you know, we, we've got, you know, much higher gold prices than when these mines were operated in the past. Right, so right. Both of those things uh, lead us to the opportunity we have today. But, um, you know, what we'd like to do here is we'd like to get up to Willoughby and, and uh, IDM using some new geological interpretations of some folding that's occurring in the area uh, has led them to some big exploration success. So we're, 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 we're looking to use that same geological thinking to bring some new discoveries to the Willoughby property. All right. And uh, with just a couple of minutes left, Sean, how, what about your exploration plans this, uh, this summer up there? And how long can you work up there? 
Yeah, so, you know, we've got properties that um, extend into the valley that um, can be worked year-round, but mm-hmm. um, our focus right now is we're, we're, we're razor-focused on the first phase of drilling that uh, should take place within the next 30 days. Uh, we're, we're, we're honing into June for uh, a drill program at Willoughby, and the first phase is a, will be a 1,000-meter drill program targeting six holes. Um, you know, we're, we're looking to... Uh, to, to uh, you know, have have that conducted in June, and then come back for a phase two in August. So you use the phase one to learn what you can about the structure, probably, and then pinpoint your targets more accurately, hopefully, in phase two. So we could have some results here when, uh, Sean, if everything goes well. Uh, phase one results might be what uh, end towards the end of the summer, or when. You know, I, I would think that before we start phase two drilling in August, we'd have results from the first phase mm-hmm. of drilling. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, like you said, when we started this call, Strike Point is it, it's a new name in, in the precious metals arena. And uh, Willoughby is a property that, uh, you know, is, is not really on the radar. So I think it's, it, you know, we're going to put a lot of effort into bringing some awareness to the work we'll be doing. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, if you can come up with anything close to the kind of drill holes uh, that that you just mentioned a moment ago, the 20 meters of 25 grams, uh, 185 grams of silver, it will bring about some awareness, I can assure you that, especially as thinly, as as small as your market cap is, I think these shares uh, could could get a good percentage rise. You never know for sure. Even in a weak market, we've seen, Sean, some, uh, some really of the spectacular results uh, bring about recognition in the market. So uh, I'm really well, optimistic. I, at, yeah. I am too, and I look at other companies in this particular part of the world, uh, in, you know, in, in past seasons, whether it was uh, a GT Gold or uh, or even a, a Garibaldi Resources. Um, but, you know, what I think we have the potential to do based on our share structure, based on our shareholders, uh, based on our, our current uh, market cap and share price, I think we have the potential to be the 2019 discovery story in the triangle. And uh, if you look at, you know, it, it, is a, it is a tough environment right now for resource stocks, but this is when projects like this really shine. And I think investors, uh, precious metal speculators, um, have, have uh, you know, come to areas like the Triangle, like uh, established camps like Nevada. We're starting to see it in, in a few areas in the world where, you know, there, there is a healthy appetite, um, you know, with, with companies, and especially for Strike Point with, you know, it, the case of uh, Predium or the case of Ascot, mm-hmm. we're seeing mm-hmm. projects that uh, are relevant where, um, you know, Ascot had just recently announced a $10 million financing and upsized it to $15 million. So we're mm-hmm. seeing a yep. lot of investor demand and interest in this particular part of the world. And, no doubt about you know, it. We're, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. We'll have to leave it go with that, Sean. We're out of time. I'm excited about it. Uh, it has that, that kind of potential, no doubt about it. Uh, of course, we underscore the word potential because this is a very high-risk, high-return business. But now, if you can buy them when they're down like they are now and you, and, and you have some success, uh, you can, it can be very rewarding. Thanks for being with us, Sean, and we'll look to do an update sometime in the near future. Well, folks, uh, we do have to go to – Thanks so much. We do have to go to break now, folks. Don't go away. We're going to be right back with Christopher Blasey. He's got some really interesting uh, product that he has available to allow you to diversify your precious metals holding, of course, as a bigger part of your overall portfolio. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Christopher Blasey. 
rush has begun. Recently, three of the largest gold mining companies announced strategic acquisitions in the Yukon territories. Ahead of them was a group who had already consolidated the key claims covering the historic Klondike gold rush into one company, aptly named Klondike Gold Corps. Led by a team of accomplished geoscientists, the company is steadily advancing exploration to reveal the rich source of all that gold. The hunt for the next major discovery is well underway, and Klondike Gold's shareholders are strategically positioned. Stay ahead of the majors and follow KlondikeGoldCorp.com. Oren Resources is a copper gold exploration company pursuing the world's next major discoveries. It has seven projects, including two active flagships, Committee Bay in northern Canada and Sombrero in southern Peru. This summer will be one of the most exciting times in Oren's history as the company turns the drill at Sombrero for the first time ever. The project's impressive surface results have identified Sombrero as an analog to one of Peru's biggest mines. Oren is also implementing cutting-edge machine learning technology to unlock its highly prospective gold belt at Committee Bay. Visit OrenResources.com and subscribe to keep up with the company's busy year ahead. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and really pleased to have with me for a second time Christopher Blasey. Chris Blasey is the president of NeptuneGlobal.com. Uh, he's a veteran of the financial and technology industries. He's of over 30 years of experience uh, and the creator of the patented PMC ounce. It's a dynamic, innovative, physical precious metals investment asset, and uh, his uh, professional work includes roles with a major uh, with a major broker dealer and a boutique merchant banking firm as well as an extensive uh, experience in the technology industry specifically working within the financial service sector um, and uh, as a someone who's recognized for his expertise in precious metals uh, Chris has been uh, he has been uh, a contributor to prestigious uh, prestigious publications like the Wall Street Journal investors business daily market watch Street.com, USA Today, and he's been on CNBC. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining me again. Jay, great to be on your show again. Uh, it's great to have you on, and I should, one other thing I, I think that you've probably started doing since we last spoke, the Great Recess Opportunity Report. Uh, tell us about that. Sure, so I've had the privilege of, um, on a somewhat periodic basis, doing a video uh, interviews, uh, which we do post on our website and on YouTube, with a lot of well-known names um, in who are commentators and uh, market analysts. And we're taking the position, as the uh, report says, the Great Reset, is that you know the, the word that there's going to be an economic reset um, is now actually getting kind of mainstream. Like five, mm-hmm. six years ago, you probably would agree it was more the what you would call 
um, in the um, non-mainstream financial press. But now it's being recognized that, yes, change is always happening, but down the, it looks like there's going to be some more significant change that's going to be impacting our lives, both uh, not only just financially, but culturally and politically. Mm-hmm. So what that report does is we have uh, various guests come on and we, get, we ask them and they share their opinions on what do they see transpiring, um, how do they see it affecting our lives, and of course we kind of wrap it up with how does a person safe or navigate this from a financial perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's no doubt about it. I mean, after the the uh, unconventional monetary policies that have been put in place that have not clearly have not worked, at least for the long term, they've provided some uh, anesthesia, perhaps, for the pain of the short term, but have set things up for something a very dramatic, uh, unfortunately, I think, in a negative manner uh, going forward. So uh, I think that would... Chris, where can people... I guess it's probably NeptuneGlobal.com is where people should go to. Can they catch up with all the, that you're involved with there? Sure. That's a great starting point. So if they go to NeptuneGlobal.com, they'll actually see the most current um, release of the Great Reset Opportunity Report. Um, and then that can also go on to YouTube. And if they were to YouTube the Great Reset Opportunity Report and uh, my name, Chris Blasey, then, uh, then all, the, uh, all the postings will come up. But I think a great starting point is the uh, website NeptuneGlobal.com. Okay, and one of your uh, one of your very unique products, patented PMC ounce. Tell our listeners about that because I don't want to ignore that. I want them to know because it is a very unique product. I mean, you can go and buy an ounce of gold from God knows how many different places, but you can't go and buy a PMC ounce. Tell our listeners what it is and why you decided decided to create this product. Well, I appreciate that. So, um, so try to put it in the proper framework. And, of course, visiting the site, there's a lot of great explanations. So I came from a traditional Wall Street, but I'm a big believer in physical precious metals, right? I don't believe, you know, I believe that you want to own the physical. You don't mm-hmm. want to take shortcuts through derivatives and such. Right. But I also knew that there's a logic that in any asset class, whether it's fixed income or equities, and it's no different for precious metals that logical diversification within that class done properly will give you a superior risk-adjusted return. And I saw that as lacking in the precious metals world. I saw that it was always the traditional just, you know, gold and silver coins and bars. And I said, I think we could do better. And that was kind of my, so I kind of took what I learned from being what you would call mainstream Mm -hmm. um, broker-dealer investment banking firms and melding that with someone who's a true believer in the physical metal. So we created the PMC ounce. And what it is, is it's a fully allocated inventory of gold, silver, platinum, palladium. Everything is of the highest uh, quality, LBMA approved, bars. But for each PMC ounce you buy, there's a fixed fractional amount of gold, silver, platinum, palladium that is then in this allocated account in the client's name at the depository level. So you think of it as a pizza, like the four slices. One slice is gold, one is silver, one's platinum, and one's palladium. Depending on how many of those pizzas you buy, those slices aggregate up to a total weight, weighted amount. Mm-hmm. So it trades in real time. There's no delays. It's not a fund. It is, and this has been in the market since 2008. It got a patent in 2013, so it's been trading successfully. 
for 11 years. It's been patented for uh, six years. And it has done since its inception what exactly was designed to do because it's weighted and diversified. And what I mean by weighted is you're not putting the same the same, you're not getting the same weighting in platinum palladium as you would gold or silver because gold mm-hmm. and silver are the primary. But having those physical exposure to those metals, it has delivered a superior risk adjusted return since 2008. And what we mean is that is there was a couple of years where silver's return was higher than the PMC ounce, but we know silver is a much more volatile asset. And then since 2012, has been crashing down and has been below the PMC ounce. Now, just by chance, because of palladium's outperformance, and palladium only makes a small physical amount of it, the PMC ounce has outperformed gold and silver by mm-hmm. great margins. I mean, since 2008, the PMC ounce is up 78%. Gold is up 51 So that's a mm-hmm. 27% difference. And silver is only up 44 versus PMC 78 mm-hmm. So this is... The product has delivered, and it's gotten the attention of a, of a number of uh, analysts, and who have actually who've been recommending it. And most of them are clients of ours too now. So, mm-hmm. Jay, in a nutshell, we said, look, you can be a physical precious metals owner. We get it. It's all in a non-bank bullion depository. It's all in a fully allocated account. The depository confirms directly with the customer the receipt of the metal, and that it's in the customer's name. We can, it's, you buy it at a price that's better than you can buy these individual metals on your own, but it's turnkey, it's efficient, and it outperforms. Mm-hmm. And you've got, so, so the actual, how do you decide what the actual allocation is to each of those metals? Sure. So it never changes since its inception, and it can't. Okay. So it can't change, right. It's actual amount. Yeah, and the reason it, if it changed, then you're just basically creating a custom portfolio and each PMC right. ounce would be priced differently. So right. when we when we devised it, when we came up with the idea, we, we looked and researched and looked at the history of the metals and, and how they traded, what the pricing was, and of course we used the logic of, well, gold is going to be the primary one, silver, mm-hmm. platinum, palladium, and then we created its physical weighting. So again, the customer goes to the website and they go to the page that, is the product description. It'll describe the weighting how, and what and about the PMC ounce, and then it'll also show how well it's priced. There's a wonderful tool called the PMC calculator that lets you do a simulated trade, and the beauty of it is it gives you the breakdown of the trade. Depending on how many PMC ounces you buy, it shows how much gold, silver, platinum, palladium you've now bought, and what percentage of your money went into each metal. Because we know that you know, there's big disparities, right, between just like mm-hmm. let's gold and silver, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to buy a lot of silver to have a meaningful part of a portfolio versus gold, sure. you know, because one's trading in $14 an ounce and the other's at 1200 and change. So you see the whole logic of the product. It gives you all the details of your trade, and it becomes crystal clear, you know, why, how it's weighted, and the logic behind the weighting. And, um, and, of course, other things, what's the price per ounce of the total transaction amount is shown. But that is a very helpful tool, the PMC calculator. And that's on your website, I take it? Yes, it is. And I, have, okay. and I also can tell you that the PMC ounce is actually now being distributed even through other dealers. Um, mm-hmm. The depository that it's held in, I mean, it's a, it's a very substantial holding. It's all 
It's all integrated into their systems for reporting. It actually is on one of the major wholesalers. It's integrated into their trading platform. So mm-hmm. the product has matured tremendously. But, you know, as I said, it's 11 years now in the market successfully um, serving investors and providing a superior risk-adjusted return. Because, Jake, I can't market time, and nobody can. And people mm-hmm. make mistakes sometimes. So, you know, they'll, you know they'll, they'll think that, okay, they hear the palladium story, and they start you know, overweighting palladium. And you don't yeah. want to do that. You want to yeah. say, look, let's just take a logical position and establish ourselves and let's hold that position. And that keeps your costs down. We know that some yeah. people will turn their own accounts, right? They'll go back and forth, gold to silver. And if you're dealing in physical metal, those transaction costs are substantial and you're sure probably going to be losing money. Yeah. No question. I mean, I can't imagine that too many retail players uh, played this, you know, we're able to participate in the Palladium bull market that we've seen. And it must be, I mean, I wouldn't have an, a clue how to start buying Palladium. It would be difficult for small purchasers. I would imagine the commission's very high. And uh, so this is a, a convenient way. Uh, Chris, how how much money does, do people need to get started? What? How much do they need to get to open an account and get started with, with your uh, PMC outs? Sure. So, um, for anyone that calls, and, and especially if they say, um, normally we have a minimum account size of 100 PMC ounces and transactions of 25 PMC ounces. But when a person was to call and they said they heard us on the Jay Taylor show or mm-hmm. you know some of the analysts have uh, recommended us, we will let them start with a mi- uh, minimum account size of 25 PMC ounces. Mm-hmm. Now, to mm-hmm. put that in perspective, that's about $2,400 in today's market. Okay. Because, okay. Um, yeah. So that's a that's a you know that's a very what we believe modest. So the current Absolutely. price per ounce right yep. now mm-hmm. is ninety five dollars and eighty eight cents. So mm-hmm. you know that's a like I said it's a little it's like twenty four hundred dollars and change. And it's in real time. Allow them to open up an account. And it's in real time, and people can buy and sell this on the internet if they want. Um, the buying and selling is still done through a trader. You would call and execute your trade to buy okay. or sell with us. It is all live pricing. It is all, there's no delays. Even when you sell, you would just call up and whatever. And the prices are all posted. So this, you're not negotiating. It's all there. It's 100% mm-hmm. calibrated to the market. So anytime, if you're looking at the pricing on our website and you refresh your page, you're going to see any change. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, there's no delay. So it's not even like a mutual fund where mutual funds don't even true up to the end of the day when they calculate their NAV. So mm-hmm. it's completely liquid. And, um, and that's the beauty. So the investor is buying and selling physical metal at premiums better than they can buy the metals on their own, especially when you get into niche things like palladium and platinum. Sure. And they have this full, they have this full liquidity. They'll also have an online account with us, which they will see what all their holdings are. It'll show their transaction history of the metal moving in and out of the depository. But the trades are still done with a trader live. Uh, Chris, I'd like to ask you a little bit about silver. Um, you're quoted as saying, uh, for tra- uh, if I've got this quote right, for trader of precious metals, for traders of precious metals, the gold to silver ratio has been a long time indicator and guide for entering or exiting the market. Can you explain what you meant by that? Well, I was, uh, yeah, I re- I'm um, commenting on a something that has been talked about in the market for a long time, and that is 
that the gold-silver ratio has been um, really at historic highs, right? So we're looking yeah. at a ratio of about 80 plus mm-hmm. to 1, meaning 80 plus ounces of silver to buy an ounce of gold. A lot of yeah. people will hearken and say, traditionally, that should be around 40. So that mm-hmm. gold, you know, and they use that as a way to um, make the case that silver is um, way underpriced even in its relation to gold. And, of course, the argument is there that the fundamentals say that gold should be much higher. Um, and, therefore, when the metals all kind of take off, which everyone's kind of waiting for, you know, gold will go up and people expect silver to go up exponentially. Now, mm-hmm. I don't dispute that. Um, and each metal has its own story, which, again, is makes the PMC ounce unique because the metals do not move in lockstep, right? Mm-hmm. We're looking at palladium that in the last five years is up over 600%. Right. And we're looking at silver that has crashed over those mm-hmm. same years. Mm-hmm. Now, this take, comes back to the market timing. The PMC ounce contains a lot of physical silver. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of reasons and fundamentals and great um, data that says silver should be much higher. But it's not there. Now, we believe and we agree that at some point, silver will find its footing and will break out. And just if it starts to close the gap with gold alone, it would be mm-hmm. seeing a, an excellent return. But mm-hmm. that, we don't know that time. And, you know, not to keep going back, but for the, the sake of what we believe is good portfolio management for any investor, we say, you know, you can be, you know, the old saying about the market can be irrational longer than you can be softened. Um, right. Because, you know, there's plenty of people that in 2011 and 12, we know it was a common um, talking point for, with a lot of commentators that silver was imminent, going to run to 200. A lot of people mm-hmm. piled in in the 40s, and here we are at 14. Yeah. Yeah. Do I believe <laughs> that someday silver will be up there? Yes, I do, but I don't know. And if you're you don't an know investor... When. Yeah, and you have to and you have to sell. You're deeply underwater. So, mm-hmm. we believe that the story and the fundamentals behind each and every metal is sound. That it is all pointing bullish, um, but for something like silver, it's been in a very narrow trading range for quite an extended period of time. And I know that's frustrating a lot of investors. And I, you know, I definitely agree as someone who is very invested personally in the metals. There is a lot of frustration. But that's why we say take a different way of constructing your portfolio and think more like a portfolio manager who looks at achieving a better risk-adjusted return than going all, all in on just one or two of the metals and waiting for that, you know, that big day when the me- you know, that metal takes off. Well, you certainly have a lot less risk, a lot less volatility. Uh, as you just described, palladium offsetting uh, offsetting the weakness in silver to a great extent. Uh, Chris, uh, to a great extent, of course, some of these metals, I mean, gold is really a monetary metal. I mean, almost completely, I would argue. Silver uh, also, to a great extent, is a monetary metal, but it's also industrial. Platinum and palladium almost totally industrial. I don't think too many people hold platinum and palladium as monetary metals. They don't think of them in those terms. Uh, I guess you'd agree with that. And then could you comment a little bit on what you see for, uh, if you take a view on the economy, are we heading into, we've had several people on this show suggest recently that we, they think there's a high probability we're heading into a recession this year. Uh, 
And if that's the case, then that might not be the greatest time for platinum and palladium and silver, you would think. Uh, but who knows? I mean, if uh, if we have monetary issues and silver and some of these, I don't know. What are your thoughts on on where we might be headed? I know that's the beauty of your uh, of your PMC ounce is that you don't have to know these things. You just uh, you know you have that diversity that takes away the risk. But do you have any thoughts about about that? I mean, do you think you think fundamentally that gold looks better or silver and some of these industrial precious metals look better going forward? Sure. First thing, your description of each metal, you know, gold, monetary, the silver, the quasi, 100%. You're, you're exactly right, and you're listening, and this is why they don't move in lockstep. Now, mm-hmm. the interesting thing is, so platinum and palladium are, have been going, for the last couple weeks, the metals have basically been trending down. Platinum and palladium going down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, just so you know, year to date, as of yesterday's close, gold is up less than 1%, so basically trading sideways. Silver down 3.5%. As much as platinum and palladium have gone down in the last two weeks, platinum is still up 11% this year and palladium 7%. Now, going into a recession, the logic is that an industrial metal, the demand for it will go down. And that's true. And it should. But, of course... We're in different times. We're in a different world right now, right? So a mm-hmm. lot of things that used to be able to count on when the fundamentals said this should happen isn't mm-hmm. happening anymore, right? And right. We, we know that. Anyone in the precious metals knows that. But the, the thing about platinum palladium is, even though they're pure industrial, they have a dynamic that an industrial metal, or at least one metal like silver that has a big industrial component to it, doesn't have. Platinum and palladium are obviously essential metals, especially in something as key as catalytic converters, right? Mm-hmm. So the reason palladium has really gone up so much in the last several years is palladium has taken the market share away from platinum for gas engines. Mm-hmm. Now, so that means you can't put a car out without that palladium in there. And the amount of palladium going into each engine is only about $140, 150 Yeah, so it's not significant. Converter. Mm-hmm. Is it not? And this is a good part for investors. But the thing that the wild card is, platinum and palladium, 80% of it, so virtually all platinum and palladium come, only two, come from only two places, South Africa and Russia. Mm-hmm. South Africa is completely dysfunctional, right, at this point, and relying on mine supply from them for an essential metal is risky. With mm-hmm. Russia... We don't have to go into it. It's common knowledge. There's a host of geopolitical issues. Mm-hmm. So when you hear about the prices, when you this is obviously common, right? We talk about price interference with gold and silver, you know, in the in the futures market, knocking down the price of gold or silver. Well, when you're a person that you need that $150 of palladium to put your car out, you're not covering yourself with futures contracts. You're mm-hmm. buying that metal. Physically, right? Why the, yeah. So what you're seeing is, and, and I hope this is a prelude of the future for gold and silver, uh-huh. what I believe is what you're seeing is a real free market or much closer to a free market with platinum and palladium because the people that need it can't be satisfied with futures contracts. Now, with right. silver, a person could say, yes, but the same thing, they need silver. But the point is, what are they doing with silver? They're, they're burning above ground inventories for industrial use. 
because there's this comfort level that, hey, at the end of the day, they do mine silver in the United States and Canada and Mexico, right? So there's no fear that you're going to get cut off from supply. So, right. you know, you can spin up those mines. But when you're relying on a, an essential metal coming out of Russia and South Africa, you can't take that risk. So you are buying it. So, you know, that even with an entire slowdown, granted, last couple of weeks, these metals are pulling back a little, probably more of a buying opportunity than a, than a red flag. Um, that, that geopolitical dynamic is going to put it, I believe, and should keep a nice floor under the price to some degree. Okay, Chris, we're going to have to leave it go at that. We're out of time. Uh, folks, it's NeptuneGlobal.com, NeptuneGlobal.com. Go there and learn about, uh, so this is PC Allen, PMC Allen's is really a very unique product. I think that's one you really should check out. I plan to do that myself. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for being with us. Your insights are, are greatly coveted, and we look to do it again sometime in the not-too-distant future. All okay, right, folks. I really uh, appreciate it. Or you bet. Oh, folks, this is all the time we have this week. Uh, next week, Peter uh, Groskoff, of, uh, the, he's the CEO of Sprott, Inc., will be with us. Gwen Preston, uh, newsletter writer and uh, colleague of mine, will also be on, and uh, hopefully Michael Oliver as well. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Strike Point Gold, trading under SKP on the TSX and STKXF on the OTC, has a market cap of under $10 million. Strike Point is a new player in the Golden Triangle of BC and Canada. Focus will be on drilling the Willoughby Project in 2019. Prior drilling delivered over 20 meters of 25 grams per ton gold and 184 grams per ton silver. Recent receding glaciers have identified new gold targets. Neighboring projects have been acquired by Strike Point's largest shareholder, Ascot, Eric Sprott, and Skeena round out the other top shareholders.